It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Garrett Wilson. Wow! What a catch! Touchdown, Jets! That kid's amazing. Gibson on the return. Near side. I don't see any flags. Gibson inside the 30. Hits the Jets. And he's going to go. Just win it. Touchdown, rookie Xavier Gibson. Game over. Allen has time. Intercepted. Sauce Gardner's got it. Allen tripped up. He could not get past Jermaine Johnson. Oh, look at the speed of Brees Hall. He's done it again. Brees Lightning, 62 yards for the touchdown. And he's sacked again by Quinn Williams. What a beast, number 95 for the Jets. Listen. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeJet1. And it's time for part two of the New Year's Weekend Mailbag. So for that, we welcome in our friend who is the editor at JetNation.com, my good buddy, Glenn Naughton. So let's jump right back into the mailbag. Next question comes in from Nep Osnat. He asks, why did Joe Flacco stink on the Jets, but he's good with the Browns? Also, were you suspicious? when no one was interested in trading for Aaron Rodgers except the Jets, even before he coincidentally named them as the team he wanted to go to. So let's start with Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco is basically morphed into late-era Vinny Testaverde. And what I mean by that is he's still going to make some really nice throws. He's still got arm talent. But there's going to be four to six times a game where he's going to do something where you're going to go, what the heck was he even trying to do? In that game against the Jets, He threw that brutal interception that ended up getting returned for a touchdown by Jermaine Johnson. Great play by Jermaine Johnson, by the way. But also, there were passes that bounced off of guys. One that bounced off of, I believe it was Quincy Williams. One that bounced off of Tony Adams. There was another one that Flacco threw into like quadruple coverage that should have been intercepted. So he certainly is making plays with the Browns, but he's making a ton of mistakes. And you have to figure that at some point, he's really going to start paying for those mistakes, perhaps in the playoffs as far as why he's playing better now with the Browns and the Jets look he's moving better and certainly I know the Browns have had a ton of injuries they seem to be protecting him a little bit better I wonder if a big part of it is that Flacco was just beat up last year needed the time off needed to let his body heal and that's why you're seeing what looks to be a refreshed Joe Flacco I don't know for sure though and as far as the second part of this question A lot of people got mad at me, and Glenn, they got mad at you too because I think we shared the same opinion when I said that the Jets should have played more hardball with the Packers over the Aaron Rodgers trade because nobody else wanted Aaron Rodgers. You heard Charles Robinson on this show, and you saw the article that was written by Albert Breer after the trade went down. Not a single team in the league other than the Jets was interested in Aaron Rodgers. I know that all these people were making up reports saying, oh, this team was interested, that team. You heard the 49ers, the Patriots. Those teams were not interested. The only one that was interested was the Jets. And a big part of the reason for that was the contract. The Packers gave Aaron Rodgers a terrible, terrible contract. The Jets reworked it, but even now it's a bad contract because if Aaron Rodgers were to walk away after this season, the Jets would be on the hook for an enormous dead cap number. I believe it's like $66 million. If he were to walk away after 2024, the Jets would be on the hook for $49 million in dead cap charges. So basically, the Jets have to hope that Aaron Rodgers plays in 2024 and 2025 
because if he doesn't, they're going to get slammed with cap hits. And that's even if Rodgers just retires, they get hit with those cap charges. So I think a lot of these teams were nervous about that. And then, of course, you have the situation with him turning 40. So that limits the number of teams that would be interested. And then what the Packers were asking for in return and all that. And then, of course, Aaron Rodgers names the Jets as the team he wants to go to. And I have to laugh about this. Everybody's saying, oh, Rodgers was so excited to go to the Jets. And yes, it is nice that he seemed to have genuine enthusiasm for coming to the Jets. But number one, a big part of the reason he wanted to come to the Jets is because no one else wanted him. And number two, it's because he saw that defense as being one of the best defenses he would have ever played with. Maybe the second best defense he's ever played with after the defense that he had the year he won the Super Bowl. But ultimately, all of this combined made me realize that the Jets had all the leverage in a train because the Packers had to get rid of Rodgers. They would have owed him $60 million if he was on their roster the first week of the season and nobody else wanted him. They also could not cut him because if they did, it would have been a $99 million dead cap hit, which there's no way they could have sustained. So the Packers were trapped east of the rock and west of the hard place. If the Jets would have just shown some restraint, some patience, or even bluffed a little bit, potentially being interested in other quarterbacks. We talked about this at the time. Why not leak it out there that you're preparing an offer sheet for Lamar Jackson? Why not leak it out there that you've been calling the Rams about Matthew Stafford? Why not leak it out there that you've talked to the Titans about Ryan Tannehill? Now, obviously, Tannehill had his own issues this year, couldn't stay healthy, and then they pivoted to Will Levis because he's probably the future. I understand, but the point is you could have used those guys as leverage points because ultimately – The Jets could have gotten a different quarterback. The Packers had nowhere else to trade Aaron Rodgers. They had to move him, and the Jets were their only option. So the Jets easily could have squeezed the Packers and given up much less. You wouldn't have been sitting in a situation where the only way the Jets didn't give up a first-round pick is Aaron Rodgers getting hurt early in the season. You also wouldn't have been sitting in a situation where you're giving up a very valuable second-round pick that you badly need to help rebuild the offense this year. You could have held firm and you probably could have gotten Rodgers for a heck of a lot less if you would have waited a little while, but they got impatient and so they gave in. And I think, honestly, the Packers got a really good deal for a guy that they absolutely had to get rid of and nobody else wanted. So yeah, that whole scenario was messed up from the beginning. I understand why the Jets wanted Rodgers and I'm not saying they were wrong to want him and I'm not saying they were wrong to get him. We were all happy that he was here, but I think that the Jets really underplayed their hand. They had so much leverage and they just gave it away. Glenn, I believe the analogy I made, and there were a couple of radio hosts in Green Bay who liked this analogy. I remember Charles Robinson was on their radio show and I guess they had heard Charles on my show and they said they really liked the analogy. But the analogy was the Packers had fourth and two from their own 15 yard line. They sent out the offense to go for it Everybody in the stadium knows that they're not actually going for it. They're just trying to draw the Jets off sides. All the Jets have to do is not bite on the hard count. Just don't jump the count and you're going to be able to get the Packers off the field and they'll have to punt. Instead, the Jets jumped the count and ended up giving the Packers a lot more than I think they had to. Yeah, I think the thing with Flacco, if if you look at the way he played, it wasn't just the numbers. He he did look like a different guy. He was moving a lot better out of the pocket. You know, no, he wasn't Lamar Jackson, but we saw him make plays on the move, which we didn't see with the Jets. And I think, you know, I I wonder, Scott, you know, and without being in the room, we don't know. But he looked so lethargic and and just sort of 
done with it when he last played for the Jets. He looked like a guy who was retired, like he was just slamming checks and wanted to be out of there. Now, I don't know if it was a product of the coaching. I don't know if it was a product of the fact the team wasn't winning and he knew he wasn't, you know, it was just sort of a wasted year. But it looks like, you know, maybe a combination of the time off and being able to play for a competitor, like that that rejuvenates guys. Like, as, you know, he's probably sitting at, a, sitting at home thinking, oh, my God, I'm probably never going to play another snap for the rest of my life. And to go from that to, oh, you might win a Super Bowl instead of that. Like, that's going to juice you up a little bit. I saw you saw them joking with him after the game. He looked like he was taking a nap on the bench in the third quarter. Like, the guy's <laughs> not young. He's, he is, you know, he's been through it all. Um, but I think that it's, you know, the more the more we see this team fail so many different ways, you do have to wonder, you know, how much of how much of it is the coaching? We see guys like like George Fant and Greg Van Roten going to other teams and playing at a high level and Morgan Moses and that and now Joe Flacco, like all these guys who either they look like stiffs with the Jets or the Jets give up on them early, they go elsewhere and play well. So I think that it's probably a combination of things for Joe Flacco and I'm happy for the guy. And as far as the Aaron Rodgers stuff, man, that that's all on the money. Like, I don't know. I, I, I you and I both like the, the number of people who came at us, you know, you came on my show and talked about it and people on the forums and Jet Nation were mad at you and they were mad at me and people on Twitter were mad when I said the Jets got fleeced because they should have been able to get Aaron Rodgers for much less. And part of the reason was, well, you know, the Jets have to explain to the Packers, we're taking a big contract for an old guy who's an injury liability. And this is what happens. And now they still they lose that second round pick and it's all it, it, it was a bad deal. Um. You know, as I said to my co-host Dylan Terriman, that when the deal happened, um, I'm happy with where the Jets were. Like, I'm not going to pretend I didn't want Aaron Rodgers. I was happy with where they were, but I wasn't happy with how they got there. Yeah, and Glenn, obviously the other element there is that not only was he an older guy with a big contract, he was an older guy with a big contract that they had to get rid of that nobody else wanted. Yeah, and the fact, the number of people who couldn't, I don't know why, but so many people couldn't get that point. And I, I must have had dozens of people say to me, well, so he, the Packers could just trade him somewhere else. And it didn't matter, no matter how many times you would say there's not a single legitimate report. You know, some shock jock on Fox Sports making up a team isn't a legitimate thing. Like, there were no legitimate sources saying Rodgers might go anywhere but the Jets. And then he made it clear it was only going to be the Jets. And the Jets still gave up what they gave up. It's just unbelievable. And like I said, you know, I, I often defend Joe Douglas, but I, I call him out when he's wrong. And I think the Rodgers deal was one of his worst moves in terms of what he gave up. It was so dumb. It's like, Joe, like, he's told the world you're the only team he'll play for, and the Packers have to deal him. Not want to, not might. They must trade him. And he only wants to come to your team. You should be offering a five. And what are they going to do? They going to eat $100 million? No. Listen, the two reporters that had the legitimate reports here Charles Robinson, who had it right the entire way. You look at what he was reporting all along, and it ended up being completely on the money. He said on this show that the Packers reached out to every single team and nobody but the Jets was interested. They tried multiple times because obviously it would have been to their benefit to have more than one team involved because then they wouldn't have had to rely on trying to bluff the Jets that they were going to somehow swallow a $60 million cash payment for a guy that they didn't want. That was never going to happen. Everybody knew that, but they couldn't get any other team interested. Also, if you looked at what Albert Breer reported after the trade, he's got sources in Green Bay and with the Jets, as of course does Charles Robinson. And 
Breer's got sources all across the league. And Breer said in his report that the Packers called every team and the Jets were the only ones that were interested. And trust me, it would have been to the Packers' benefit to tell Albert Breer that there were other teams that were interested after the fact. But obviously, there were not. Because if there were, Breer would have put that in his report. And so that was one thing that everybody got upset at, people like you and me for, Glenn. I remember I went on Jets 24-7 with Ryan. Ryan's an awesome guy, by the way. He's going to come back on Play Like a Jet soon. And I remember going on there, we were talking about this, and I was explaining all this. And afterwards, I read all the comments on YouTube, and everybody was just trashing me. This guy's the worst. Never have him back on again. He's an idiot. He's one of those same old Jets guys. He can't even be happy when the Jets get Aaron Rodgers. There's never anything that's too much to give up for Rodgers. Glenn, how many times did we hear people say, why do they even need any kind of conditions on that first round pick? They're going to pick 32nd. It doesn't matter. Who cares? F them picks. Those picks don't matter. The Jets have had a million picks over the years and it hasn't gotten them anywhere. Could you imagine now if the Jets had had no protections on that pick and they had no first rounder? Man, that would have been an absolute disaster. So, yeah, it's funny. People got all mad at us, Glenn. Neither one of us said we were against the Jets getting Rodgers. Neither one of us said that it was bad for them to get Rodgers. We just said that the Jets, considering the situation, could have held firm. They could have played a little poker, and they would have still gotten Rodgers. They just would have gotten him for a lot less. People got upset about that. But I think it's absolutely true. And certainly right now, it looks like the Packers did pretty well for themselves in that trade. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Next question comes in from Michael Christopher. He asks, who's to blame for the Jets' third-day picks, Joe Douglas and the scouts or Salah and the coaches, for failing to develop young talent? You'd think coaches have major input in these selections. Also, why aren't there billboards saying, fire Salah, hire Monken? Are Jets fans just so beaten down that they don't care anymore? Let's start with the first part of this. The third day picks, I assume that it's a combination of all of them because usually what happens is the coaches, the scouts, and Joe Douglas all meet. They put together a hierarchy. The scouts have who they like. The coaches have who they like. The general manager has the final say. And so ultimately it's on Douglas, but obviously he's leaning on the coaching staff to tell him who they like and the scouts to tell him who they like. So as far as the third day picks, the only true gem of the third day picks at the moment right now would be Michael Carter II. Obviously, that worked out very well. He's become one of the better slot corners in the league in the fifth round. That was a steal. Beyond that, they've got some players that have been okay depth, I suppose. Jamie and Sherwood hasn't been good, but he hasn't been terrible. Brandon Eccles has been like an okay depth piece. Bryce Hall, when he's been thrown in there, has been okay as a depth piece. Clemens and Mitchell are okay, I guess. So nobody really stands out as a third-day gem other than Michael Carter II. I think if you're Joe Douglas and your whole motto is building through the draft, you do have to do better than that. You have to land some more meaningful picks, especially in, say, round four. They haven't really done that at all. But I think if you're looking for somebody to blame for why there haven't been more hits in those rounds, it's probably a combination of all those guys. And obviously the buck stops with Joe Douglas. As far as the billboards, it would have to get so bad. It would have to be disastrously terrible for people to take out billboards. And anyway, I just think it's such a tacky move. I don't like it. And I remember when they did it to John Idzik, you got to remember something. I understand that John Idzik is a bit of a public figure or whatever, but the guy's got a family. 
And to do that and embarrass the guy like that with billboards just seems silly. I guess if you want to put up something that said make changes or whatever, fine. But even that, I just think billboards are counterproductive. They're not worth your time. And I think they're way too silly and mean-spirited on top of it. And as far as Monken, look, let's just be honest about this. I love Todd Monken. Glenn, I know you love Todd Monken too. In fact, if you look at my Twitter bio, it says president of the Todd Monken fan club. I've advocated for the Jets to hire Monken more than once. But other than hardcore Jets fans who really follow the NFL year round and are kind of obsessed with this stuff, the average football fan does not know who Todd Monken is. I have a lot of family members that are Jets fans. And if they know anything about Todd Monken, it's only because of me. Most of them have no idea who Todd Monken is. It's not like he's a household name. It would be a little bit different if you were talking about like Mike Tomlin. Everybody knows Mike Tomlin or say Sean Payton was still at Fox. Everybody knows Sean Payton. But Todd Monken is a guy that if you're a serious football fan, you know who he is. If you're not, good chance you don't. Yeah, I think the day three stuff is interesting because, I mean, you do, you want to find some starters there from time to time, right? I mean, most of those guys don't even make it on a roster. Like most of them are that when we hear that, like, you know, the average NFL career is three years. A lot of that is because your day three guys are gone within a year or two. Um, if they can hang around for a few seasons I, and, and, you know, contribute in a positive way, I don't really see those picks as busts. Um, I think we love to throw the label bust on every player. Who's not like a, a you know, a pro bowl or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, you know, as you mentioned, Michael Carter, the corner is, is their biggest day three pick um, of the Joe Douglas era. And, there, you know, there are some other guys, some, you know, Bryce Hall's a guy, you know, you mentioned him. And I think everyone kind of wrote him off after last year. He looked pretty bad. Um, Very limited action this year, but looked really good when he did play. There's talk, you know, and not just with, with myself. I know I've mentioned it, but I've seen a lot of people say that, you know, Looks like Ashton Davis is playing himself into a second contract. And you, now him, you could argue he's a bust because he wasn't a day three guy. So I shouldn't have even mentioned him. Um, he's, he's kind of playing like a, a depth piece who could earn a second contract. But um, the, the guys Douglas has taken, you know, you mentioned Sherwood, who I think has been, uh, you know, or I think he's positioned himself to be a replacement if, if and when they do move, move on from C.J. Mosley. I think the Jason Pinnock pick was really interesting, and I tweeted this a few weeks ago. He's been an okay player, and he, you know, not not saying he's been great, but he's a guy, he looked impressive the end of his rookie year with the Jets, and then they let him go. They obviously preferred Tony Adams. And let's not forget some of these UDFAs kind of, it's like splitting hairs between a UDFA and a day three pick, and sometimes those UDFAs take those spots, and you've got a couple of those guys on the roster right now. Um, but I think that Eccles has done a solid job when called upon. I think Carter obviously has been outstanding. Pinnock, they moved on from quickly, but Sherwood, who we both mentioned, is a guy who looks like he might be a player. You know, I think he could be a starter down the line. Um, really, it's this year's day three guys that I like the least. Um, Zaire Barnes, I I was ripping my hair out. I wanted Ivan Pace. I can't believe Ivan Pace went as late as he did. I would have taken him in the fourth or fifth round. Um, he's currently the number one graded rookie linebacker in the NFL per PFF. Um, Jarek Bernard Converse, another one. I probably would have taken a, another lineman there. Um, and Koontz, you know, huge project in that spot. So that he's, I mean, again, most seventh rounders are a roll of the dice. That's what Koontz is at this point. But um, I think he's found some contributors. He's only one starter. But, yeah, you'd love for him to find, like, at some point, you you got to find one or two more guys who do more than play special teams and, and, and just 
offer you a spot start. Like it's better than a wasted pick, right? It's better than than a guy that doesn't make the roster. It's better than a Hamza Nasruddin, but you still have to find some sort of mid to upper tier players every now and then. You know, more than once every four or five drafts. That's going to wrap up part two of the New Year's Weekend Mailbag. Thanks so much to Glenn Naughton of JetNation.com for joining me. Make sure to check out everything Glenn's doing at JetNation. And follow him on Twitter at JNRadio underscore Glenn. Check out everything we're doing at PlayLikeAJet.com and the PlayLikeAJet YouTube channel. Some awesome all 22 breakdowns on our channel. So make sure you watch our videos and subscribe if you haven't already. YouTube.com slash PlayLikeAJet. Visit our store, tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-Public.com. We've got the John Franklin Myers, Quinn Williams, Bless You, Thank You shirt, Play Like a Jet logo shirt, caps, mugs, hoodies, it's all there, tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-Public.com. And be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. doesn't take you much time. doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and PlayLikeAJet.com. <laughs>